0: Hey, everybody. I'm Scott Kalish. I'm a divorce and family law attorney here in South Florida. Today, I have a real special treat for you all. I have um, a guest. You know, It's the first time I've had a guest on the podcast. I have forensic accountant Jason Soman of Accounting and Valuation, LLC, located in Boca Raton. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about fraud and uncovering hidden assets. It's a question that I get a lot of times from clients, potential clients, they may not know um, their spouse's, you know, full financial picture, and uh, they ask me, "Hey, how, um, how am I going to know? How are you going to know if my spouse is hiding assets?" And that's usually where my um, job as an attorney sort of stops, and where you know Jason's, you know, forensic accountant's, um, you know, job really starts, and then he sort of takes over from there. So, Jason, it's great to have you on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Scott. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. It's uh, it's really an honor to be here right now uh surreal.
0: Awesome, awesome. No, I, uh, and we actually met through the podcast. You, you, you started listening and reached out to me, and I, I said, yeah, absolutely, come on board. I'm, I really want to interview you. Uh,
1: yeah, so I'm a, I'm a forensic accountant in Boca Raton. Um, people that are unfamiliar with what a forensic accountant is, uh, first of all, the field of forensic accounting is very broad because the term forensic means suitable in a court of law. So essentially what a forensic accountant is is we offer – accounting services that are in the context of the law or a lawsuit in active litigation. And divorce included typically starts off with a lawsuit being filed.
0: So you're primarily focused, or or at least majority of your work is divorce and family law, right?
1: Absolutely. So over the years, I've done a number of things. Um, I like to describe myself as one part forensic accountant and one part business valuation professional um, because the two come into play all the time, as you could imagine. Uh, So we work with family law attorneys and their clients to help value the marital estate, help figure out how to split it, as well as help determine income for purposes of alimony and child support. So the term forensic is in the court of law, there's a, there's a, I've done work in commercial litigations, shareholder disputes, business divorces, trust and estates valuations, um, transactional valuations, so I'm to sell their business. And I think it makes me a better, well-rounded professional. But the, the divorce world has really, uh, most of my experience has been in the divorce world. And as I went out on my own a few months ago, and as I've gotten more advanced in my career, I really wanted to specialize in divorce because... In divorce, it's a good mix of forensic accounting and business valuation because we're helping value the marital estate. Um, A lot of times these people own businesses, uh, which are complicated to value, uh, especially a privately held business. You can't look up on fidelity.com what the privately held business is worth. So we help value those businesses, but as you could imagine, in a divorce case, there's a lot of... Allegations often in terms of what's the true business income. What is and everyone
0: has an opinion as to like what something's worth. Usually. Exactly,
1: and and the truth is is especially that especially lay people, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, some people will come in and oh, my business is worth you know two times revenues because that's what you know people talk about, right?
0: Sure, or, or they hear on you know TV or or whatever mm-hmm. or on a podcast, right? Absolutely. You know, um, what sort of drew you initially to divorce and family law?
1: so So when I started my career, I was in a CPA firm and the partners did a little bit of everything. Um, and I remember getting involved in my first divorce. And, and
0: Where was the,
1: that? Where was that was back in Long Island. I, um, I started my career in Long Island. I'm part of the COVID wave that came down here from New York. I'm a yeah. former New Yorker. Um, so I started, it was actually my first case involved, I think like 70 or 80 startup businesses. And I was the new guy, I was the intern. And they're like, Hey, uh, can you find out the status of all these businesses? The, the person I was working for, the husband, he just invested in all these different types of businesses, almost like a shark tank type of guy. Mm-hmm. Some of these businesses, a lot of them were nothing and some of them were multi-billion dollar public companies. Yeah. Um, but at the time he invested, it wasn't. So part of our job was to kind of prove that all these businesses didn't exist or weren't active or if they were active, try to figure out what they're worth. Um, And I just really liked the whole investigative slash valuation. And I went on to work on, I don't know, over a 100, maybe hundreds of divorce cases. Uh, I've lost count. But what really draws me to divorce and motivates me is the emotional nature of it. I mean, a lot of people don't like that about it. But I really feel like I'm making a difference the numbers I come up with are really matter to people, and oftentimes these are the last big payout people may get in their entire life.
0: Yeah, and I've, what I've found too, it's like when someone hires you as their you know divorce lawyer, maybe divorce you know account, friends accountant, you almost feel like they you're almost like a confidant, mm-hmm. you know, and you know you go from like zero to sixty immediately. Right from you know zero being like you not you're not knowing the person, and then like sixty once they hire you, you start working their case. Now it's like you're you're almost like one of their closest friends, and they mm-hmm. share with you intimate details about their life and what's going on. And I don't know, you, you just feel I think it's special, it's a special relationship. that's been, you know, being created. Um, I, I think it's really cool, and and I think it's a it's a great uh, perspective that you know um, we as professionals can get you know when, as part of our careers. Um, I think it's a good segue though into talking about. You know, the the main topic, um, you know, for today, which is you know, fraud and uncovering hidden accounts. As a forensic accountant, when you're hired um, to be, you know, an accountant on a on a divorce case, um, do you at times have to delve into their financial situation and determine whether or not someone's being, like, totally straightforward and honest with you?
1: Absolutely. So I think, you know, one of the important things that I learned early in my career, you know, my first job is forensic accounting is is about people and it's about money. You yeah. know, it's you can't just follow the money. You need to really understand who these people are, what drives them. Um, there's this popular concept in in the fraud world called the fraud triangle. Um, and I've What's that? Uh, it's uh it's a way that people describe why a fraud occurs. Okay. So there's there's three legs of the triangle. There's rationalization, opportunity, and incentive. Okay. So the first one I think I may have said them out of order, but the first one's the opportunity, right? Uh-huh. Someone sees an opportunity. And the way that this plays out in divorce is there's usually often sometimes someone who controls the finances and someone who doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. So the person who controls the finances may have the opportunity to move things around or... Create
0: another account. Create another the account. The person doesn't know
1: about. Create another account, create another business, uh, especially business owners. And this is why we always get involved with business owners because... A business owner has the ability to pay themselves whatever they want. You know, Scott Kalish could pay himself, yeah. you know, 20000 a year or however much he can. Yeah. Um, so it's, they could control that. They could control where the money from the business goes. So yeah. well, it's that's... Kinda like,
0: it's kind of like my wife. Like, I don't look at my my books at all. She does mm-hmm. all the books. So literally, she can have an account somewhere and just, you know, <laughs> start transferring money. I, I really don't look at it. You know, absolutely. She looks at it I just worry about bringing in the business and, and, and taking care of the firm. And she does all the, uh, you know, the back end work. Yeah. Yeah,
1: So, uh, so it all starts with the opportunity. Um, And then there's the incentive. And I'm sure you could talk about this incentive for, for days, right? It's like, if you have less assets and less income, your divorce will probably look better from a financial point of view,
0: all else equal. Especially if like divorce is on the horizon, you know, if there's, someone's planning it. Mm -hmm. I've had cases where I just finished up a case recently where, you know, the wife, had no idea that he you know the husband wanted a divorce and once she found out it seemed very planned and it you know, calculated and you know over the last i don't know 6 months to a year she kind of looked back and was like oh wow that's why he did all of these things mm-hmm. um but and that can i think fall right into creating accounts and then fu- deciding to funnel money maybe trying to earn less for that particular year i've had that people not taking overtime mm-hmm. you know um but like in terms of so i guess you're going you're talking uh, about you, you didn't finish I don't think the uh, the triangle you got to opportunity oh, yeah. incentive and
1: then the last one well cut. you know it's the rationalization it's that yeah. same story that people tell themselves in Gosh, order yeah. to How they, in order to justify what and they sleep did at night. exactly so you know what you see in divorce is, oh they didn't do a thing yeah. i was the one working they yeah. were on the you know on yeah. vacation enjoying themselves so yeah. I mean, there's all, all types the of stuff. She didn't
0: do anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, or you know, if it weren't for them, I would have been even more successful. Like people come up with all types of stuff, and and I think the truth is just about people and fraud in general is, yeah. people who are fraudsters they don't consider themselves bad people. They consider themselves someone who had to do something for a certain reason, you know, to justify it to themselves, you know, everyone in their own mind, or generally speaking, they think of themselves as good people. And, you know, good people do bad things. Yeah. And people come up with a way to justify it.
0: For sure, for sure. Um, so like, as an accountant, as a forensic account, once you get hired, and there's a suspicion that, you know, the opposing spouse might be hiding money, right? What is it that you sort of like, like, how do you it out what is going on here and, and determine whether or not someone is, in fact, you know, hiding. Absolutely.
1: Um, it's funny you ask that because I, I've been asked by clients sometimes, like, do you just like look up in a database and look up where all these they bank accounts the are? Database.
0: They think I have access to a database. I wish I did. And to be honest with you, it, it, it's scary to think about if that actually existed, mm-hmm. but it'd be really helpful. It,
1: really <laughs> it would be very helpful, but the problem is, is you'd have to also realize that your stuff is in a database You're that right. other people You're could right. see. Right. Um, so... I, well, yeah,
0: but but there is no database, everyone. There's no database <laughs> there
1: there is no database, but uh, you know you could and this will go into kind of my process, and you could everyone listening could do this at home or get this started at home, right? Yeah. um so i I think at the beginning, you know, there's a lot of documents, usually, there's a lot of details. So what I do and what I suggest anyone who's getting divorced and just trying to get a handle on what their situation is, if they want to come to their attorney with information, Mm -hmm. start building a universe of accounts. Um, What do you mean by that, a universe of accounts? So like it's as simple as opening up a spreadsheet and saying, okay, well, I see bank account XYZ, um, I see Bank of America 123. You know, maybe just read the bank statements like a book. If you see, you know, transfer to account you know, four, five, six. five
0: it, it exists. And notate that it?
1: it exists, right? Because we, we want to build the universe, right? And then the question becomes is, well, what's missing? And that's usually a, a more difficult question to, to answer. And uh, I'm sure you've seen this all the time in your experience. People don't want to give the documents oh, where all the like funny business it's went. Like
0: pulling teeth. Even, even just not about, like, they might not even be doing funny business. Just like, there's something about sitting down with your, you know, with your computer, downloading each statement and putting that all together, people just run away from that. They hate doing it.
1: Yeah, Great it's uh, it's tough, but I mean, I could. When people are hiding something, though, they, oh, you sure. know, they may be like very forthcoming with all of the information, except with what's not there. And I'm sure everyone that's been involved in a divorce case, divorce cases, sometimes, oh, I produced ten thousand pages of stuff to you. It's oh, like, yeah. well. there should be 15,000 and you produce 10. So I, yeah, I understand you probably spent your time counting all these pages, but it it doesn't matter because, uh, you know, my biggest fear as a forensic accountant is like, what if I miss something? Right. So we're very disciplined about, um, cross referencing. I mean, if I had a billing code for the, what the number of hours I spend just checking this to that and making sure that everything kind of gels, um, It's a big process of of just really being diligent, cross checking things, also just asking a lot of questions. It really requires to be like, well, you know, I can't match up this payment, so there must be another account or if they were trying to steal, how would they do it, you know, type of thing.
0: Yeah. So before we got on the air speaking, you mentioned something about breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Can you go into that a little
1: bit? So the two main ways that we uncover hidden assets in a divorce, I'd say one is breadcrumbs, and the second one is getting third-party evidence to corroborate existence or non-existence of of certain assets. So going into the breadcrumbs, that's just a slang term, I, I guess you can call it. But what I mean by breadcrumbs is a lot of times people will make a mistake. Maybe they'll pay that one credit card that they didn't produce yeah. or they will make that transfer or they will get a little sloppy because the truth is, is all it takes is one transaction. small transaction to something that we didn't know about that wasn't on our radar, that wasn't on this universe that we built for ourselves. Yeah. Um, and that's all it takes. It may not even be a big amount of money. Um, you know, there's this, This this story that's been in the news is about a year ago, Mm -hmm. uh, a couple stole 4 or $5 billion of Bitcoin. And what unraveled the whole thing was, is they used some of their ill-gotten gains to buy a Walmart gift card. And somehow the federal agents were able to figure out that the Walmart gift card came from the stolen Bitcoin and the... Gift card went to an IP address and Internet, you know, they had to do a couple things to, it. The, to connect the dots. But, you know, sometimes all the dots are lined up and it's that six dollar transaction to that unknown account that kind of um, that kind of unravels this whole thing because if someone wants to hide money the best way to do it is to and i'm not giving anyone advice to hide money here but uh the best way to do it is to have the money not even touch or or come close to any of the accounts that's
0: hard sometimes obviously right that's sort of how you uncover it with the breadcrumbs Mm -hmm. you know you you kind of described before um, going through like line item by line item on some of these statements if you see like i don't know um, a transfer for like a nominal amount, maybe $100 going from one account to the other account. Like you said before, there could be 10,000 pages, but all you need is one page with one line item transaction into one another account. And that could like open up the door to a whole nother universe like you were mm-hmm. talking about before. And then that account could have, you know, a lot of funny business going on, but that also could connect to other things too.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, something that I, I like to do on cases yeah. is... I'll compare the credit card statements that we receive okay. with the bank statements that we have, Why right? Do you that? So if I see a payment to let's call it American Express, and I don't have an American Express account that I could tie that to, then I know that I am missing a American Express account. So what happens if I get that American Express account? I may see payments coming in from Another a account. totally different universe or a totally different ecosystem. So that's a way that I've found, you know, hidden liabilities and spending you know that's another thing um and then if you look at it the other way right if i see payments to an american express account that i have yeah you know and i can't account for it on the bank side it means that there's another bank account potentially paying um so i I like to tell people to you know if you want to do it yourself at home and want to like start flushing out if that's something that you should do um, especially if you're concerned that You know, there's other credit cards. Maybe there's some dissipation. Maybe someone's paying for their paramour with marital assets. Which
0: is definitely part of divorce, for sure.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And then what's the other? So you you mentioned breadcrumbs and the other one was like third party. Yeah. So I
1: would say third party. And this is where uh, attorneys like Scott and myself will work together, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I can't actually get the documents, right? Like Like you can't
0: call... American Express and say, hey, give me these documents.
1: Exactly. So I can't call American Express and get the documents. Um, You know, there's a lot of legalities that I'm sure we could talk about in terms of getting documents, right? Like you can't get, and there's a reason why there is no database for bank accounts because privacy privacy and, you know, I can't just like go to the bank and say, hey, I want my spouse's business accounts or anything like that. Um, But third party is, you know, uh, looking at, because the the universe is not going to lie for people's divorce cases like people are going to lie for their own divorce cases right so you know invoices that people do business with maybe you want to get those invoices directly from some of their vendors maybe you want to subpoena the banks maybe you want to get mortgage applications mortgage applications are a big one because people want to look good for their lender and then when they get divorced they Financially, they don't want to look good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mortgage applications is a big one. Um, you know, a lot of it also is, and it goes back, kind of ties to the breadcrumbs a little bit. Like, let's say that uh, you have a business and you get payments in from Stripe, right? right. And, and party's getting divorced, and all their money's coming from Stripe, a credit card processing could either be eBay. I mean, substitute any vendor that that you can. And so, so my question usually is is i want to get you know the stuff directly from stripe right because one way that someone could be hiding money is that they could be diverting sales straight from the credit card processing company into a different account and we're not going to see that gotcha. um you know there's also so some... they can
0: like give you part of the stripe account <laughs> they might not give you everything
1: exactly so you know it's kind of like the credit card process a credit card and the bank lining things up to sure. kind of flush out well you know if this guy or girl were to be wanting to steal money from their spouse how could this, they do it how could they do it where would they do it and then maybe we'll focus on there because one of the hardest parts about forensic accounting is is you know people send us digging and there's not always something to be dug and it's not always clear where to dig so you know a lot of times a part of my job is to help define the scope right mm-hmm. so you know i'm not going to be able to prove that this person did not commit any fraud because that would be fraud or hiding assets or anything like that. Cause that would be proving a negative, right? I can't prove that, that Scott Kalish uh, doesn't own Meisner park, right? Like I can't prove that things yeah. that don't exist. Yeah. Um, but what I can do is define some parameters that would give us some level of comfort. And usually that's, you know, let's say, and all the time though, there's where there's smoke, there's fire usually people kind of have an idea how their spouse is is, is trying to take money. You know, yeah. they may see someone whipping out the corporate Amex at, at dinner yeah. or they may be like, oh, they're doing shady stuff with their AR. I, I've had that. Or they're doing shady stuff with their inventory. They're getting cash, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um. So it, it, it really depends on the case. And it, it really requires a thoughtful analysis of like, where we're going to go where we're going to look what is what is a result look like that would would show that things are kind of kosher yeah. and what would a test look like where you know they would be hiding money
0: yeah yeah no it's it's so interesting and it's it's certainly like you know you know from a legal perspective a lawyer's perspective this is so your area you know in general, some, but, but but not every case we get accountants, right? Only only some cases, and it's got there's got to be you know a uh, cost benefit analysis. Of course, would you
1: say? of course, and and you know uh, one of the things that I speak about a lot with yeah. clients is like you know you don't just like casually hire forensic. It's not like a no. impulse purchase. Like and it's
0: not every case that we hire forensic. Yeah, accountants.
1: It's, I think you know when you need a forensic accountant. Um, there's
0: significant money at stake, and it's going to cost. A lot less than what you have to, to potentially gain from it you know
1: absolutely um, and, I, and I'm the first person to say that a forensic accountant is not for every single case um, but you don't
0: want to spend let's say $5,000 to make $5,000
1: exactly because you're guaranteed to spend that 5000 and uh, you know in divorce there's a lot of uncertainty I'm sure you could talk about this you know oh, you yeah. may not get that 5000
0: totally and then you could be out the $5,000 for the forensic accountant um, in general though how how much work is it on your end, like timeline? I guess it depends upon the size of, of the scope of work, right?
1: Absolutely. So, I mean, there's could be forensic accounting engagements with divorces that last five years. Wow. Um, and I'd say a lot of the things that drag are documents. Um, and then I'm sure you could speak to a lot of issues just emotionally speaking, right? There's sometimes it's the beach house or it's the, I don't know, the antique car or something where it's like sentimental value um, that could hold up cases. But I mean, these things could last a very long time. There's a lot of wealthy people out there um, that where, you know, it may make sense to spend the forensic fees in order to potentially uncover millions of assets. It may, to them, it it might be a cost benefit type of situation. I also think it's helpful to have a forensic when, uh, you know, so I, and you could speak to this a lot, too. It's like sometimes you can, you, you, sometimes you can have a hard time getting certain documents, right? Yeah. People object.
0: People object. They blow past deadlines. Now the person that's asking for the documents has to go into their pocket, pay the lawyer to do more motions, mm-hmm. to go to court, you know, to compel documents. And again, you know, it's, we could literally go back and forth for six months just trying to get basic documents. Now, but you mentioned before we could always, you know, subpoena them from the institution.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But you know, sometimes you want to save the money, right? Rather than doing subpoenas and doing it that way, and 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 get it directly from the person. Sometimes you do both. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, you, we can go, you know. Um, for months and months and months just chasing documents.
1: Yeah. It's also sometimes it's persuasive, you know, because a lot of times the person receiving the document request, they'll be like, oh, this is onerous. They're on a witch hunt, you know. Fishing expedition. Fishing expedition. But if I say in my document request, hey, I want this bank account that you paid this Amex payment for, for $6,000 on January 7th of 2023. Yeah. You know, who's going to be like, oh, I object. This is not a legitimate, you know what I mean? so it's sometimes if you are very, a forensic accountant could help you be very precise in terms of what you ask for. And, and I'm sure you could speak to this. I can't. Um, but there is when you're precise and when you can prove that this document does exist and it, has relevance to the case, you're more likely to get the document than if you just kind of say, give me your kitchen sink.
0: hundred percent. Yeah. And that's, you know, judges, I would say on average, they err on the side of like more discovery, more documents than less, mm-hmm. unless it's completely out in left field, right? Where you, you just, you know, no way to connect the dots in terms of making it relevant to the case. Uh, but, but yeah, no, you, you've provided, you know, a ton of value, I think, today. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Why don't you tell everybody, like, how they can get in contact with you if you have a question?
1: Absolutely. So, my website is www.divorceforensicaccountant.com, and uh, everything's there. If you, you could book a consultation, happy to take a look at your case, see if we could help. Um, we work very closely with the attorneys, so, we, you know, usually when it's a consultation, we will grab someone like Scott and and we'll talk about where our work fits in the law. Um, And
0: there's a ton of people that listen to the podcast. I've gotten emails and follow ups of people that are working with other lawyers and they might not be so happy or they just might want a second opinion. I've had that several times. So if you're working with a lawyer right now and you do want to hire a forensic accountant, right? Feel free to reach out to Jason, you know, and, and I'm sure Jason could talk to your lawyer and, um, Possibly, you know, he can, he can you know help on your case. So, um, again, I really appreciate you being on today.
1: Absolutely. I really appreciate it, Scott. And, uh, you know, I'm also launching a podcast, and Scott's going to be on the podcast yeah. as well, um, Find the Money I'm, Podcast. I'm excited about it. And uh, we'll be talking about some, some interesting stuff. And I think uh, Scott and I, we could go on for hours. I think
0: we're gonna. This is like the first of many. This is just there's, a, there's so many other areas that we can talk about as it relates to divorce and finances and all of that.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think that the takeaway is forensics and lawyers. We work together as a team. Yeah. And. In uh, the client. And the client. I tell, absolutely. I tell
0: clients all the time. I am the uh, the, fat, the the law expert, right? I tell you what the law is, and I, I and the the client is the fact ex- mm-hmm. fact expert. Excuse me. You know they're they're the ones that that, that that are supposed to tell me all the facts so I can analyze them. And you are, you know, I mean, how would you categorize yourself?
1: Um, I mean, we we are fact finders, fact you know. Finders. So, so so a lot facts. of times, you know, sometimes an ator- you know, attorneys will say, "Hey, can you say that something is, you know, we just need to testify something's marital, you know?" Yeah. Like, I can't do that. So a forensic accountant, you know, we're not advocates like your lawyers are. Um, We are advocates for our opinion. So if I go into court and I say this person's business is worth X, their income is X, I have to advocate for my opinion and defend that opinion, whether whether the value that I come up with is good for the client or not is irrelevant. Um, So that's the difference between a lawyer and accountant. Um, And I'm just, you know, I look at documents, I tell you what they say, I tell you what my opinion is, and it's all based on facts of yeah. the case. yeah. Um, so for sure. a little bit different, but we, we, it's a very good combination to have if your case has complexity, um, or anything valuation or financial yeah. related.
0: Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And again, this will be the, the first of many. So I look forward. It. Absolutely. Thanks thank everyone you. for listening. Take care.